Amen. All right, we're there in Numbers chapter number 12. And of course, uh, we've been going through a series on Sundays, going uh, chapter by chapter through the book of Numbers. We're calling it Wilderness Wanderings. And of course, we are uh, in the wilderness with the children of Israel, wandering with the children of Israel through the book of Numbers, looking at these stories from the Old Testament. And uh, this morning, we're going to continue that. And uh, this morning, I'm actually not going to preach verse by verse through Numbers chapter number 12. I am going to do that tonight, so I encourage you to come back tonight, uh, because tonight we're going to go through every single verse of this chapter and um, outline it for you. Uh, But this morning, what I'm actually going to do is just use the first verse in this chapter as a little bit of a springboard to deal with a very specific subject. I want you to notice there in Numbers 12 and verse 1, the Bible says, and Miriam and Aaron, and if you're not familiar with the characters in the Bible, Miriam and Aaron, of course, are the siblings, the sister and the older brother of Moses. Moses is the leader of the children of Israel as they are traveling through the wilderness. The Bible says, Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses. And I want you to notice why, why the Bible says that they speak against Moses. Because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. The Bible says that they spake against him. They criticized him and they badmouthed him because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. And I want you to notice that the emphasis in this verse is that they spake against him because of the Ethiopian woman. And again, it's reiterated. When something is reiterated in the Bible, God wants you to focus on that, and, and he's making a point. The last part of verse 1, for he had married an Ethiopian a woman. And what we see here is that it seems that Miriam and Moses, excuse me, Miriam and Aaron were upset with their brother Moses because not that he had gotten married, because it doesn't say that they were, they speak against him because he married a woman, but that he had married an Ethiopian woman. And the subject I want to deal with this uh, morning might seem uh, a little uh, specific, but I want to deal with the subject uh, biblically regarding interracial marriage and uh, racism as well, just in, in general. And you know, the Bible speaks about every subject in the Bible, in the, in, the, in, the, in the world, I should say. The Bible speaks about everything. And we can learn everything we need to know uh, from uh, the Word of God. And here we have, of course, Moses uh, marrying uh, this Ethiopian woman, and by the way, let me, just, let me just say this by way of introduction. Keep your place there in Numbers 12, uh, and go with me to the book of Exodus, if you would, Exodus chapter 18. If you go backwards from Numbers, you have Leviticus, and then the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 18. We know that Moses had another wife, and this is why, you know, the argument could be made, and some people make the argument, no, it's not, they, it's not that they were upset that he'd married an Ethiopian woman, it's that they were upset that he had married another woman, but again... The emphasis is on the fact that because of the Ethiopian woman, uh, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. Now, we do know that Moses had another wife. Exodus 18 and verse 1 says this, When Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that he had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, and that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt, Exodus 18, look at verse 2, Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back and her two sons, of which the name was, uh, one was Gershom, and he said, I have been an alien in a strange land. So we hear, see here in Exodus 18, and this is not the only place mentioned, that Moses had another wife uh, by the name of Zipporah. Zipporah would have been his uh, first wife. And we don't know what happened to Zipporah. The Bible does not tell us uh, what happened to Zipporah. We know that he had another wife. We know that he had a first wife. Uh, and again, we don't know. Maybe she passed. And that's why Moses remarried. Maybe Moses had multiple wives. We don't know. We know that was a common practice in the Old Testament, uh, though the Bible teaches against it. Many characters in the Bible had multiple wives. We are not sure why uh, it is that Moses married another woman um, and what exactly happened to his wife. I will say this. The Bible seems to indicate that Moses and his first wife did not have the greatest marriage. Um, And here in Exodus 18, we see that Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, Exodus 18.2, after he had sent her back. So Moses had sent her back to her dad, and her dad does what every father should do if his wife, if his daughter comes home after being married, is he sent her, he took her to her husband. And he said, no, you, you leave father and mother and cleave unto your wife. 
And uh, so he, he took her back. Um, but that seems to indicate that maybe they didn't have the greatest relationship. Of course, if you're familiar with the story in Exodus 4, uh, when Zipporah is throwing and flinging um, the, the uh, flesh of the circumcised child to Moses and calling him a bloody husband, none of these things seem to indicate that they had the greatest marriage. Of course, those are just two isolated stories. We don't, we're not told a lot about their marriage, um, but we don't know. Maybe she passed. Maybe he uh, just took on a second wife. But the point is this that he married another woman. And again, if you go back to, keep your place right there in Exodus 12. In fact, uh, put a ribbon or a bookmark there in Exodus uh, because we're going to be coming back in that area of the Bible and I'd like you to get there quickly. But if you look at Numbers 12.1, the emphasis in the Bible does not seem to be that the problem was that he married someone else. The emphasis seems to be that they spake against Numbers 12.1. And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman. Of course, Ethiopia is a country in Africa, and Ethiopian people are black people. And they're, here we're told that because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. And, you know, you maybe you've lived in California your whole life or grew up in a state like this, and this isn't really something you think a lot about. But, you know, the biblical subject of interracial marriage is actually something that I... I don't think a lot about uh, anymore. I, I used to think a lot about it or thought a lot about it uh, earlier in my life because um, I, as a Baptist, I've grown up, obviously, independent from a Baptist my whole life. I've grown up around conservative circles. And here in California, we've never really experienced it. But I've definitely, in my lifetime, and I'm not old. I'm 37 years old. And in my lifetime, I've heard Baptist preachers preach against interracial marriage and say that, it's a sin and that it's wrong. I've heard conservative Christians teach against interracial marriage. I've, in, I've heard of, of, of Christian universities and Bible colleges have rules against interracial couples uh, and, and all those things. Um, so, uh, you know, this is something that, that I've grown up hearing about. And, and of course, and, and, you know, this is something that's important to me because my wife is... You know, I mean, do I have to say it? Yeah, I'm just kidding. You know, my wife's white, obviously. I'm not white, so we're an interracially married uh, couple. So it's something that is near to dear and near and dear to, to my heart. And, you know, you would think, like, it's not something that really comes up a lot. But honestly, my wife was out soul winning just a few weeks ago. I think I mentioned this a, a few weeks ago um, when it happened. But my wife was soul winning a few weeks ago with, uh, I think it was Miss Ajana, they were out soul winning, and some ladies telling her, like, I don't like your church because your church teaches against interracial marriage. And my wife's like, my husband's brown, he's the pastor, I'm the pastor's wife. You know, Ajana is black, or whatever Ajana is, I'm not sure. And, um, and, 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 and Serge, her husband's Russian, is like, we're not against interracial marriage. Uh, so... You know, this is something that people think about, and maybe you've never thought about it, but it's good to know what the Bible teaches about these things, to have some answers. Keep your place in Exodus. Go to Acts, Acts 17 in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Acts chapter 17. And, uh, you know, it's good to understand what the Bible teaches about these things and to know what the Bible teaches about these things um, because it is, and and here's the thing, maybe interracial marriage is not as big of a deal uh, to you or, or to us, and it, and it isn't. But race is definitely, and racism is definitely something that is a hot topic that people are often t- talking about, and there's lots of controversy. So I want to teach you what the Bible teaches uh, regarding these things. And let me just help some of you out, because some of you are already uncomfortable. You know, just the fact that I use the word white and black and that I, I stated that I'm not even sure what a stern individual is. Um, some of you are already uncomfortable. But let me just, by way of introduction, help you understand. And look, the Bible says that the Word of God should renew our minds. Amen. And that we should, we should filter everything we believe and everything we think through the Word of God. So let me just help you out with something, just by way of introduction. The Bible does not teach the concept of races. The concept of races is a made-up concept made by secular, worldly, racist people, but the Bible does not teach that there is any such thing as a white race or a black race or any race. The Bible teaches there's only one race, and it's the human race. In Acts 17, verse 24, let me just prove this to you from the Bible. So I just want to be real up front where I'm coming from, all right? I don't believe in races at all. And if you want to know my position on interracial marriage, look at my wife. 
all right? And, and if you want to, you know, know what I think about it, um, I don't think it's, it's a thing, and I don't think the Bible teaches against it, and I'm going to prove it to you from the Bible. Acts 17.24, notice what the Bible says, God, Acts 17.24, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worship with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. By the way, that's where we need to begin, with this understanding that God made the world and all things therein, and that it is him, it is God, look at that part of verse 25, that giveth to all life and breath and all things, verse 26, and hath made of one blood all nations of men, for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. So I want you to notice that the Bible is clear about the fact that God has made of one blood all nations of men. And you don't even need a clear verse on the Bible to tell you that, even though I just showed you one, if you just know the Bible, you know the Bible teaches that every single human descended from Adam. So every human being came from the same uh, source, from the same blood, from the same DNA. There is no such thing as races. There is no such thing as any of that. God hath made of one blood all nations of men. So the Bible teaches that there are no concepts of race. There is no concept of races, uh, races in the Bible, but yet this is something that the world has made up, the devil has made up to try to divide us and to try to use it uh, to, to, to make people want to be against each other. So I want to I teach you about this subject. I'd like you to keep your place there in the book of Acts. You kept your place in Exodus. I'd like you to keep your place in the book of Acts. So we're going to go back and forth between those two areas in the Bible. And do me a favor, go, go to the book of Deuteronomy. If you kept your place in Exodus, you have Leviticus, Numbers, then Deuteronomy. Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Keep your place in the book of Acts, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And what I'd like to do this morning is I want to give you three statements regarding interracial marriage and three statements regarding racism. Three statements regarding interracial marriage and three statements regarding race and racism. And let's begin with uh, this idea of uh, interracial marriage. Number one, and if you're taking notes, maybe you'd like to jot this down. Regarding interracial marriage, number one, the Bible taught in the Old Testament that the children of Israel were forbidden from marrying heathen people from other nations. I'm going to say that again because I want you to understand what I just said. The Bible taught, and the Bible teaches, in the Old Testament that the children of Israel, the Old Testament children of Israel, the nation of Israel, they were forbidden. God gave a commandment that said they were forbidden from marrying heathen people from other nations. Let me show that to you. Deuteronomy chapter 7, look at verse number 1. Deuteronomy 7, verse 1. When the Lord, Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 1, I want you to see it. When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land. This is God, this is Moses speaking uh, to the children of Israel. Of course, this is God speaking through Moses. When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land, whether thou goest to possess it, and hath cast out many nations. So he's saying, when God brings you into the land, and then God has thrown out many nations before thee, and then he names the nations, the Hittites, the Girgashites, and the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Persites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than thou. And when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite, thee, smite them and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show, uh, nor show mercy unto them. And I'm not preaching on this in, uh, in, in Deuteronomy 7 verse 2 uh, necessarily right now, but let me just say this. The reason that God was so uh, judgmental towards these people is because these were reprobate nations that were doing wicked things. Look at verse 3. Neither shalt thou make marriages with them. Thy daughter thou shalt not give unto his son, and his daughter shalt thou not take unto thy son. Notice verse 4. He says in verse 4, for, F-O-R, for. The word for means because. So why is it that God is telling these people, thou shalt not make marriages with them? Don't let your daughters marry their sons. Don't let your sons marry their daughters. Why? Why did God say that? Why did God say uh, that, that you cannot marry the heathen people of other nations? Verse 4, he says, For because they will turn away thy sons 
from following me, that they may serve other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and destroy thee suddenly. I told you I want to give you three statements regarding interracial marriage. I'm going to give you the second one, but let me just review the first one. The first one is this. The Bible taught in the Old Testament that the children of Israel were forbidden from marrying heathen people from other nations. Here's the second statement. The biblical reason for this was never about race, but about religion. It had nothing to do with race. And I'm going to prove that to you from the Bible here in a minute. God did not say, hey, don't marry these heathen people because they are Hittites, because they're uh, descendants of the Girgashites, because they are Amorites, because they're not ethnically Hebrew people. That's not what God said. God said, hey, don't marry these heathen people, verse 4, for they will turn away thy sons from following me, that they may serve other gods. Notice the lowercase g, gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and destroy thee suddenly. So the Bible teaches that uh, the children of Israel were not, were forbidden from marrying heathen people from other nations. But the biblical reason for this was never about race. It was not because God did not want the races intermingling. No, no, it was because of their religion. Let me give you another example. Go to Joshua chapter 23. You're there in Deuteronomy. Just go over to the next book, Joshua. Joshua chapter uh, 23. Do me a favor, keep your place in Joshua. You can lose your place in Exodus if you'd like, and just keep your place in Joshua. So you should have your, uh, a ribbon or a bookmark in the book of Joshua, and then a ribbon or a bookmark in uh, the book of Acts. Joshua 23, look at verse 12. Joshua 23, verse 12. And look, maybe, you've, maybe you're here this morning and you've heard other preaching against this. And if you have, and if you, and if you have heard that interracial marriage is wrong, look, I'm not mad at you. We're not mad at you. But you should have an open mind and look at what the Bible says. Joshua 23, verse 12. Else, if ye do any wise, go back. This is Joshua speaking to the children of Israel. This is after they've conquered the land and entered the promised land. He says, he says else, if you do in any wise, go back and cleave unto the remnant of these nations even these that remain among you and shall make marriages with them and go in unto them and they to you know for a certainty that the Lord your God will no more drive out any of these nations from before you, but they shall be snares and traps unto you and scourges in your sides and thorns in your eyes until ye perish from off the good land which the Lord your God hath given you. So I want you to notice, and I'm emphasizing this idea, that the reason... For the command against marrying the heathen people uh, of the Old Testament was not their race, but their religion. God said, don't make marriages with them because they shall be snares and traps unto you. They will turn away thy sons from following me. Go to 1 Kings chapter number 11. Remember, remember, keep your place there in Joshua. If you have your place in the book of Acts and in the book of Joshua, and go to 1 Kings. After Joshua, you have the book of Judges, then Ruth. First and Second Samuel, and then the uh, book of First Kings. First Kings chapter number eleven, and look at verse number one. First Kings chapter number eleven and verse one. The Bible says, "But King Solomon loved many strange women." I want you to notice that word "strange" there. Okay, the word "strange" doesn't mean strange like odd. Okay, like these people were weird. The word "strange" in our King James Bible means foreign. They were foreigners. They were strangers. But King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughters of uh, Pharaoh, women of, notice the, stra- the foreign lands these women are from, women of the Moabites, the Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites, verse 2, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, ye shall not go in unto them, neither shall they come in unto you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these and love. So the Bible tells us that Solomon married women and loved many strange women of all the nations that God said uh, that of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, ye shall not go in unto them. For they will surely, for they will turn away your heart after their God. And look at Solomon's life. What happened? At the end of his life, he ends up worshiping idols and worshiping other gods. Why? Because he did exactly what God told him not to do, which was to marry heathen people of other nations. But again, it wasn't because of their race. It was because of their religion. 
Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. If you kept your place in Acts, keep your place in Joshua. And if you kept your place in Acts, from Acts you have Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. Let me just say this. The Bible still teaches in the New Testament that New Testament believers should not marry heathen, unbelieving people. 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 14. 2 Corinthians 6.14, notice what the Bible says. Be ye not, this is the New Testament, by the way. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. This is talking about partnerships and partnering in general, but is there any partnership that is greater than the partnership of marriage? And he says, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? So the Bible teaches in the Old Testament that the children of Israel, the people of God, believers in the Lord, were not to marry heathen people. Not because of their race, but because of their religion. And in the New Testament, the Bible still teaches that we should not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And the Bible teaches that a Christian should not marry an unbeliever. Hey, a Christian shouldn't marry a a, a Hindu. A Christian shouldn't marry a Muslim. A Christian shouldn't marry an atheist. The Bible teaches that Christians need to be equally yoked with other believers and they need to marry other believers. Now you say, why are you bringing this up and why are you teaching this? Here's why. Because today, when you, peop- when you listen to people teach against interracial marriage, and they'll say, God is against interracial marriage. God wants white people to marry white people, and black people to marry black people, and brown people to marry brown people, or whatever. They'll point to all of these verses. They'll say, God said that you can't marry, uh, the, the children of Israel can't marry the Moabites. Well, the funny thing is that there's a very famous Moabitess that married into the children of Israel. So, When you look at the actual passage, you find that what God is forbidding is them marrying heathens from other nations because of their religion. And let me just go ahead and say this. Based off these verses, now look, I believe the application is a spiritual application. Oftentimes we'll say something like, well, there's, there's, a, there's a secondary spiritual application. There's a first physical application and a secondary spiritual application. And that's true of most verses. But let me tell you something. Here, the spiritual application is the primary application. He is telling them, don't marry them because they will turn your hearts away because they will cause you to worship false gods. Don't marry them because of their religion. The application literally is a spiritual application. But if you want to just forget the spiritual application, which is still true in the New Testament, uh, saved people should not marry unsaved people, and just look at it only in a physical aspect, I would say this. Look at the verses. Based off these verses, you could make a better argument. You could make a stronger argument. And I'm against the argument I'm about to say to you, but I'm just showing you the, how, how dumb this belief system is. Because based, because the people who say God is against interracial marriage, they'll point to these verses where God says, don't marry people from other nations. Don't marry people from the, uh, the, the, the nations of the Moabites and the Ammonites and the Edomites. Don't marry people from other countries. Based off these verses, you could make a better argument and a stronger argument for saying that God doesn't want people to marry people from other nations, not other races. You understand what I just said? If you wanted to forget the spiritual application, which is wrong then the argument that you should actually be making is, hey, God is against people marrying from outside of their own nation. You say, well, why don't people make that, why don't they make that argument? Here's why they don't make that argument. Because if they made that argument, that would mean that God's okay with a white person marrying a black person as long as they're both from the United States of America. But, and, and, here would be the argument, the argument would be this, that God's against a white person from the United States marrying a white person from the UK. Do you understand what I just said? That's a stronger argument based off these verses that God's against people marrying uh, within. You say, well, where's the verse where God says not to marry someone from another race? It doesn't exist. And you say, well, where's the verse where God says it's okay to marry someone from another race? It doesn't exist because God doesn't even acknowledge races. Races is not something that is real. We're all of the same blood. 
Look, let me let you in on a little secret, and you may not like this. Every black person, brown person, red person, yellow person, I'm sure all those things are probably racist things to say now. Every colored person, every shade of person you can think of, they all came from the same descendant you came from. They all, you, if you take the line back far enough, they all go back to Noah, and they all go back to Adam. Period. End of story. If you don't believe that, you don't believe the Bible. So God did not make laws against people not marrying within races. If anything, you can make the argument that God made laws against people marrying outside of their nations. But that doesn't help the racist interracial marriage cause. So they don't make that argument. But the real reason, if you actually just look at the verses, is that he said, don't marry the heathens because of their religion. And in the New Testament, God still teaches that. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And what I would teach a saved person is, don't marry a heathen. I don't care what color they are. I don't care what country they're from. Marry a saved person. You're there in 2 Corinthians 6. Go back to 1 Corinthians 7. Go backwards to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And by the way, let me just say this. What my wife and I often... Uh, counsel people is when the Bible says here, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. It's teaching to not marry an, an unsaved person. But we often counsel people, you should marry your spiritual equal. Because even if the person you marry is saved, but if you're Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, read your Bible every day, soul winner, and you marry someone, even if they're saved and they don't go to church, they don't read their Bible, they're not a soul winner, they don't love God, Guess what's probably going to happen is you're going to end up worshiping their idols. That's just the truth. People have the tendency to always go down the path of least resistance. So, the, so we teach people, hey, find your spiritual equal. Obviously, that means they have to be saved, but make sure they're, they're equally as right with God as you are, as on fire for God as you are. It'll make your life a lot easier. 1 Corinthians 7. So here's statement number one. The Bible taught in the Old Testament that the children of Israel were forbidden from marrying heathen people from other nations. Here's statement number two. The biblical reason for this was never about race, but about their religion. And that still applies today. Here's statement number three. As a Christian, you can marry whoever you want in the Lord, regardless of race. 1 Corinthians 7, look at verse 39. Now here's a, a verse that is talking to a widow, but I want you to see that the application is for anyone who's eligible for marriage. 1 Corinthians 7, 39. The wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth. But if her husband be dead, so this is a reference to a lady who's a widow, notice what the Bible says, she is at liberty. Now this is talking specifically to a widow, but this is true of any uh, lady who's single and eligible for marriage. She is at liberty, notice what the Bible says, she is at liberty to uh, be married to whom she will, as long as they're the same color. Is that what it says? She is at liberty to be married to whom she will. Here's, here's the only uh, disclaimer and, 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 and commandment that God gives to it. He says, only in the Lord. What does that mean? That means be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. He's, here's what God says. Marry whoever you want, as long as they're saved. Now, Pastor Jimenez and Miss Joanne Jimenez, we also advise, and, and you'd be better off finding a spiritual equal. It just makes life easier. But you know, God says, marry whoever you want. He says, only in the Lord. The only clause, the only uh, uh, commandment put on that. He says, she is at liberty to, marry, uh, to be married to whom she will, only in the Lord. Just as long as they're saved. So here's what the Bible says. As a Christian, you can marry whoever you want. In the Lord. In the Lord. Regardless of race. So, you know, I, I refuse to do... If someone shows up and they're like, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm a Baptist, but I, I met this Mormon guy and I really, you know, we're in love. I'm, I won't do their marriage. I will not... I, I'm, I'm not against interracial marriage, but I am against interreligious marriage. Because the Bible says that you should marry someone in the Lord. Not in Joseph Smith. <laughs> you should marry someone that is saved, 
not unequally yoked together. She is at liberty to be married to whom she will, only in the Lord. Now, here's what's, what's interesting. And, I, and, and look, I've already proven it, but I, I'm, I'm just going to beat a dead horse for a little bit. Because it's interesting to me that not only is the Bible clear about this, I mean, it should, it should be pretty clear already, but to make it even more clear, to make even a bigger point about it, interracial marriage, if you want to call it that, is within the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And you say, okay, well, interracial marriage isn't his lineage, but that's not his fault. Like, like he was racist or something. But here's the funny thing. Not only is interracial marriage in the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's actually highlighted in Scripture. So in Matthew chapter 1, I won't have you go there. You you go to Joshua chapter 2. Keep your place in Acts and go back to Joshua chapter 2. In Matthew chapter 1, you have the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ, you have four women mentioned, which is highly... Uh, 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 just not, not a normal thing that you see in lineages. The Bible is full of genealogies and lineages. If you ever read the Bible cover to cover, you know that's true. There's chapter after chapter after chapter about genealogies and lineages. And you know what's common of the vast majority of lineages in the Bible is that they all are mentioning men. So-and-so was the father of so-and-so. So-and-so was the father of so-and-so. So-and-so begat so-and-so. So-and-so. And it's all men. It's very unique for the genealogy of Christ, who is all men, to mention four women. It's unique in the sense that it doesn't happen in other genealogies throughout the Bible. And it's unique that it's not like all the women in his genealogy were, were mentioned, only four. So God is really highlighting these four women. And what's interesting is that the four women mentioned in the genealogy of Christ are Tamar, Matthew chapter 1 and verse 3, who was... A, if you know the story of Tamar, the way she ends up being in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ is by playing the harlot. It's by being a prostitute. You have Tamar. Then you have Rahab. Rahab is known as Rahab the harlot, who is also a prostitute, also a harlot, and a Canaanite, not of the children of Israel. Then you have Ruth. So Rahab is in uh, Matthew 1.5. Ruth, also mentioned in Matthew 1.5, Ruth is a Moabitess. And then the last uh, woman mentioned in the lineage is Bathsheba, Matthew 1.6. How does she end up in the lineage? Because David committed adultery with her. So it's really interesting that God highlights in the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ four women, and you would think it'd be four women, you know, if they were... If they were writing a, a story of the, the life, you know, the, the genealogy of Christ in the South, these would be four women that wouldn't be mentioned. I mean, they wouldn't be mentioning these individuals. Because these women, they were either prostitutes or playing the whore, according to the Bible, or they were not ethnically Hebrews. Yet they're highlighted. But here's the, and here's the point that I want you to understand. The two that were not ethnically Hebrews, they were not physical descendants of the flesh, kinsmen of the children of Israel, both were saved. Joshua chapter 2, let me prove it to you just real quickly. Joshua chapter 2, look at verse 10. This is Rahab the harlot speaking. Remember, Moses said, uh, excuse me, Joshua sends two spies into the land, um, and, and these two spies go in to spy out the land, and, and Rahab the harlot helps them. Notice what she says, Joshua 2 and verse 10. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side Jordan, Sihon and, uh, and, Og, and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. Look at verse 11. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. This is Rahab the harlot speaking. Now notice what she says. She says, For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Let me tell you something. That lady got saved. And by the way, she helps them, and then she lives with the children of Israel for the rest of her life. So even though she was not ethnically a Hebrew or a descendant of the children of Israel, she was a Canaanite, 
she obviously got saved, called upon the Lord. She said, for the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. She joined the nation of Israel, and she's in the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's an example of the fact that, hey, he, God wasn't against their race. He was against their religion. And when their religion changed, they could marry in. In fact, not only does she marry in, she's in the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ, and God highlights her. God's like, I'm not going to mention all the women, but let me mention a few. Rahab the harlot. I wonder if he mentioned her because she said this, for the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Here, so let's look at the other example of, of someone uh, who is not ethnically of the children of Israel. That is in the lineage of Christ. Go to the book of Ruth. You're there in Joshua. Just go past the book of Judges into the book of Ruth. Ruth, chapter number one. Ruth was a Moabitess. Literally one of the nations that God said, don't marry people from this nation. But yet, if you remember, Ruth comes back to the children of Israel, the nation of Israel, with her mother-in-law, Ruth 1.16. And Ruth said, entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. This is Ruth speaking to her mother-in-law, who's an Israelite. For whither thou goest, I will go. And whither thou lodgest, I will lodge. Notice what she says. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. Ruth, the Moabitess, got saved. And though she was from a nation that God said, don't marry them because of their religion, when Ruth's religion changed, God said, yeah, marry her, Boaz. Get her in the lineage of Christ. Let's highlight her in the New Testament. So again, regarding interracial marriage, number one, the Bible teaches in the Old Testament that the children of Israel were forbidden from marrying heathen people from other nations. Number two, the biblical reason for this was never about race, but about religion. Number three, as Christians, you can marry whoever you want in the Lord, regardless of race. And that is proven by the fact that you have Rahab and Ruth in the lineage of Christ. They were not descendants physically of Abraham, yet they're in the lineage of Christ, and they're highlighted in the lineage of Christ, though they were from these nations that they were not supposed to marry into. But, it, but when their religion changed, God said it's fine. So three statements regarding interracial marriage. Now let's, let's transition real quickly into three statements regarding race and racism. Let me begin by saying this. Because I think that some people, and, and I grew up in California my whole life, and I think maybe for, for some of us that have grown up in a state like this, it's easy for us to think like, is racism even a real thing? Now let me, let me just say this, I don't believe that racism is, is as big as people make it out to be. And, and I definitely don't believe that institutional racism is no longer a thing. And what I mean by institutional racism is that there are no laws that are keeping... You can be red, yellow, black, and white, and if you work hard in this country, you can succeed and go up the ladder and, and all of that. Obviously, are there still racist people in this country? Yes, because men are sinners, people's hearts are sinful, and we're never going to get rid of that. I, my opinion on racism is that inter, institutional racism is gone. There's nothing, there's no law keeping you from succeeding in this world and working hard. But I do think that there are still racist people out there. I just don't think there are as many as the media wants you to think. But let me just, now that I've said all that, let me say this. For those of you who are just like, have this idea like, racism isn't, isn't even real. Racism is real. And look, maybe you've just never experienced it. Because I always think it's funny, and I'm about to say this, and some of you are going to say I'm racist, and whatever, I don't care. I always think it's funny when white people are like, racism isn't real. It's like, yeah, you've never experienced it because you're white. <laughs> no offense. But look, let me tell you something. I grew up in California my whole life, and I remember when I was in school, I was thinking about this this morning, we had all these signs up in our classroom, and it said, no room for racism. And I used to always think to myself, like, why do we even need this sign, no room for racism? Is racism even real? I've never experienced racism. I've never felt anyone being racist for me. Why do we even need this? Well, let me tell you something. The reason that I felt that way is because I never left the state of California. Because when I was 18 years old, my wife and I got married. And we moved from California to Tennessee. Which I don't know if you know where Tennessee is, but it's in the south. And we literally drove 
through the country. We were 18 years old. We got married, and one month later, we were in a, a little Toyota Celica driving through the country on our way to Tennessee. We just got married. So my wife had not changed her license. You know, it still had her maiden name because we're like, well, why change it in California? We're moving to Tennessee and whatever. We're going to go to Bible college. This is when we still thought Bible college was good. We, we spent a little bit of time in Bible college and realized this is, we need to go back to California. <laughs> but, you know, we're, when we were driving to Tennessee, we're driving through Nebraska. And when we're driving, and my, my wife's uh, grandparents are from Nebraska. So we're driving through Nebraska. And look, I'll just, I'm going to be honest with you. I was speeding, all right? And it's hard not to speed. If you've ever driven through Nebraska, it's hard not to speed because literally just like cornfields as far as the eye can see. I mean, you're just on this road and you can like see for like 100 miles. And it's just, it's really hard. Not, and my wife, I think she kind of dozed off a little bit, which is why she never sleeps while I drive anymore. Because I was driving and, you know, I just was going faster than I should be. So, and I got pulled over in Nebraska, which is fine. I was speeding, no problem. Remember the guy, the cop, he comes out of his car. And this was, look, my wife and I, in June of next year, will be married for 20 years. So this was 19 years ago. But this happened to me. You know, he comes around on the side, on my wife's side, which I thought to myself, like, well, you know, he's just doing that because obviously, like, this side is where the cars are coming from, although I'm the only car I've seen for like two days, but this is where the cars are coming from, so he doesn't want to be on that side in case somebody runs him over. So he goes on my wife's side, and she rolls down the window, and then he proceeds to only speak to her. Doesn't look at me, doesn't say anything. He asks her for my license. I'm driving. He's like, ma'am, you know, his license and registration, please. And she's like, "Uh, he wants your license. I'm like, I heard him. You know, so he takes my license, and then, then he does come around on my side, and he says, sir, I'm going to need you to step out of the vehicle. I'm like, that's a little odd for a, for a speeding ticket. And I'm 18. Obviously, I was stupid. I didn't know any better. I mean, today I'd be like, you got a warrant? <laughs> but he's like, I'm going to need you to step out of the vehicle. So I'm like, okay. And, and here's the part of the story you need to, you, that I haven't told you yet, you need to get, is that at the time I was wearing a baseball cap. And my whole life, I've been told, whenever I wear a baseball cap, people think I'm black. So I have a baseball cap on. So he's like, sir, I'm going to need to step out of the vehicle. So I'm like, okay. So I get out of the vehicle. He's like, please put your hands on the, vehicle, on, on the roof of the vehicle. I'm like, are you serious? He's like, put your hands on the roof of the vehicle. I'm like, okay. He starts, like, searching me. He gets to, you know, my, my, my uh, pant leg, my, my pocket in, in, in the back of my pants, which I have my wallet in. And he's like, what is this? What do you have in your pocket? What do you have in your pocket? And I'm like, a wallet? <laughs> he's like, take it out carefully. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, I pull, you know, we go through this whole thing. Then he's like, I'm going to need you to, to step into my vehicle. So he puts me in the back of his car. First time I've ever been in the back of a police car. Only time I've ever been in the back of a police car. <laughs> he puts me in the back of, the, of his vehicle. He gets in the front. He has my license, my wife's license. He gets out his radio, and he's like, I need you to do a search for a missing persons report for a young white female, Joanne Clark. I'm like, missing person report? Like, he thinks I kidnapped her? <laughs> and then he's like, I need you to do uh, 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 a, a search warrants out, or warrants for young black male. And when he says young black male, I just, I said to him, like, hey, I'm not black. And he turns around, and he's like, I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. And I'm like, hey, there's nothing wrong with being black. I'm just telling you, I'm not black. <laughs> and then, then, then the whole thing changed. Then I take my hat off. I'm like, he meant his? You know? And then the whole thing changed. And then it's like, he lets me out of the vehicle. And he still gave us a ticket or whatever, but it's like, he starts telling us, you know, drive safely. And then he starts asking me questions. I'm like, yeah, we just got married. That's why her. And, and look, I don't know, but I think that was racism. I mean, maybe you said, because I've told this story to people, and they've been like, that wasn't racism. Like, okay. I don't know. I'm not God, but it felt like racism to me. Later on in that same trip, later on in the, the, the not the same trip, but the same, uh, like, time that we were living in Tennessee, 
my wife and I decided to go to, um, to visit uh, Illinois or Indiana or something. But as we were going through, we're driving up to, to Indiana, we drove through the state of Kentucky. <laughs> Only time I've ever been in the state of Kentucky. And we stopped at a gas station. You know the gas stations that have like the Taco Bell or something inside of the, the I forget what it was, the McDonald's or whatever inside of the gas station. So we stop at a gas station, we get gas, we're going to get lunch. We walk into the, the place, and my wife and I are standing there. The worker at the counter, they're like writing something down. They look up, they look at me, look at my wife, and then just look back down, keep writing. Don't acknowledge us, don't say, I'll be with you in a minute, nothing. While they're writing, this other family comes in that happened to be a white family. They get in the line next to us. He looks up, looks at them, and says, I can help you here. And literally takes them before us. And then my wife's just like dragging me out of the restaurant at this point because I'm like, what in the world? You know, and we're like, let's just get out of here. Let's just leave the state. You know, so I'm just telling you that like racism can be a real thing. And if you've never experienced it, Maybe you think, like, it's not even real, but once you've experienced it, and look, I'm not one of these people that thinks that everyone's racist or whatever, but those are two times where I felt like, I think that was racism. I wanted to, like, have a little, my, you know, pull out the little poster, hey, no room for racism. <laughs> so, ra- you know, because there, there's two extremes, and, and I'm going to hit both. One extreme is these people who think, like, racism isn't even real. Race, and look, let me tell you something. It is real. Maybe you've just been fortunate enough not to experience it. I don't think it's as big as people make it out to be, but it's definitely something that's still out there. There's still people out there that are racist, and you need to understand that. There's another extreme, which I'll cover here in a little bit, but let me just give you three statements regarding racism, okay? Go to Acts chapter 10. Number one, as Christians, you should never look down on anyone based off quote-unquote race. As Christians, you should never look down on anyone based on race. Acts 10.28. This is Peter talking to Cornelius. And here's what he says. Acts 10.28. And he said unto them. This is Peter speaking to Cornelius and his Italian band, a group of Gentiles. And he said unto them, ye know how it is, excuse me, ye know how that it is an unlawful thing For a man that is a Jew to keep company or to come unto one of another nation. Now, let me just say this. What Peter just said right now was racist. And it's not true. Nowhere in the Bible did God ever command that it was unlawful for a Jew to keep company or to come unto one of another nation. This is something that the Jews made up and added to the law. And, and Peter's saying, like, this is a cultural thing. It's one of their, like, Talmud laws. But he says, it's an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one of another nation. But then here's what Peter says. But God has showed that I should not call any man common or unclean. So he says, though I've been taught by the Jewish law, the Jewish made-up law that's not even real biblical law, that a Jew should not keep company or come unto one of another nation, Peter says, God has showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. So what does Peter say here? Peter is saying that we as Christians should not look down on anyone based off race. And look, let me tell you something. Racism is any time that you factor in race as a determining factor for whatever needs to happen. So, look, if you tell someone, I'm not going to give you the job or I'm not going to let you into this university or give you this program because you're a certain race, that's racism. But let me let you in on a little secret. If you tell someone, I'm going to give you the job, I'm going to let you into the university, I'm going to give you, I'm going to just give you this opportunity, not because of any other reason other than your skin color. That's racist too. You say, what what does it mean to not be racist? It's when you look at someone's skin color and it doesn't factor in at all. You don't think anything. You don't think, well, I can't give this guy the job. I can't give this guy the job. No, all of it is racism. 
So telling someone like, hey, I'm going to let you into this university. I'm going to give you this job. I'm going to give you, let you into this program. Just because you're black, that's racism too, my friend. And as a Christian, you should not look down on anyone based on race. You really shouldn't even factor in race. Because Peter said that God, he said, God has showed me, but God has showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Look at verse 34, same chapter. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. So number one, as I'm giving you three statements regarding race and racism. Number one, as a Christian, you should not look down on anyone based on off race. But number two, go to Romans chapter 10. Either in Acts, the next book is Romans, Romans chapter 10. Here's statement number two. As a Christian, our major defining trait should be Christianity, not race. Do you understand what I just said? The major defining trait should be Christianity and what you believe about Christ, not race. Romans 10, 12. For there is no difference. Did you hear me? For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. Look, it could say, it could say anything. There is no difference between white and black. There is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. Why? Here's why. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. Amen. You know that the same, the, the, there's only one God. Amen. There's not the God of the white man and the God of the red man or the God of the brown man. Hey, there's only one God. Amen. The same Lord over all. And by the way, everyone has to call upon the same God and upon the same Christ for salvation is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Go to Galatians chapter 3. You're there in Romans. Go past Romans, past 1 Corinthians, Galatians. Romans, 1 Corinthians, Galatians. And you know, I'm thankful I was born in Venezuela. We moved to the United States when I was four. And, but you know, I'm thankful that I grew up in a home. And in my home, I remember my dad often just saying this to us. And, and, and the statement that he kind of ingrained in my mind was this, like, hey, we're, we're, not, we're not Venezuelans, or we're not Americans, or we're not brown. Or we're, he said, you know what we are is we're Christians. Amen. Amen. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. And, and I'm thankful that that was ingrained in me from a young age because, you know, the, the major defining trait that you should be looking for if you're going to judge someone is are they saved or not saved? And if they're not saved, let's get them saved. But as Christians, our major defining trait should be Christianity, not race. You say, why? Because there is no difference between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon Him. Romans, 1 Corinthians, Galatians. Look at Galatians 3.28. Galatians chapter 3.28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Let me tell you something. The only thing that matters, the only thing that will ever matter is, are you in Christ or not? And as a Christian, our major defining trait should be Christianity, not race. I don't, look, don't go around tell, and look, you do whatever you want. I'm just saying, I would not go around and say, well, I'm a Hispanic American. I'm an African American. I'm a this American. I'm a Christian. Amen. Who also happens to be an American. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Christian. That should be the major defining trait. Not race. Go to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. If you open up your Bible, your Bible just right in the center, you're more than likely following the book of Psalms. Right after Psalms, you have the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3. Now remember, I told you there was two extremes. And you know what, what I find in the Bible is that God is a balanced God. You find that God rarely lives on extremes. It is so true in the Bible. You find Jesus, that he was full of both truth and love. See, some Christians like to be, a lot of Christians who are liberal try to be all love and just forsake the truth. 
Some conservative Christians try to be all truth and to forsake love. You know, the Bible says that Jesus was truth and love. I think Pastor Thompson was preaching about it on Sunday night. The Bible says, give me neither poverty nor riches. We shouldn't be like, oh, well, it's godly to be poor. Or, no, no, it's godly to be rich. Hey, I don't want poverty or riches. Just, just give me a, a, a balance. God is a balanced God. And what I find is usually when you have two extremes, both extremes are wrong. So here's one extreme. Racism isn't real. I've never experienced it. It's like, well, just because you haven't experienced something doesn't mean it's not real. But here's the other extreme. The other extreme is everything's racist, everyone's racist, and everything that I perceive, I filter through the lens of racism. Because let me tell you something. Some people who have experienced racism, and I've experienced racism, you can have the tendency to like have this like racism, PTSD, and then you just filter everything through racism. So let me say this. As Christians, you should not look down on anyone based on race. As Christians, our major defining trait should be Christianity and not race. But here's the third statement. As Christians, we should not live with a chip on our shoulder about race. You shouldn't have this chip on your shoulder where just like every other word is just like, that's racist, he's racist, they're racist. It's like, why are they racist? Because they're white. Just because they're white doesn't mean they're racist. Because of this, because of that. Or, or how about this? Just perceive, look, here's, here's what I'm trying to tell you. You know that I've been pulled over other times since that Nebraska story? And sometimes it's been a white officer. But I don't just assume every time I'm pulled over, this guy's racist. Do you understand that? Some people do. And look, as Christians, the defining characteristic of a Christian should be Christ. Not this, like, agenda, like this, I got to fight racism agenda. Christians should not live with bitterness and with this chip on their shoulder like everything's racist and everyone's racist. Because let me let you know a little secret. No, they're not. And especially if you live here, probably the vast majority of people are not. But here's what ends up happening with people who have this, like, racism PTSD, and they begin to perceive everything through the lens of racism, is that then anytime anything bad happens, anytime anything that they think, like, is that questionable, then their default is always, they're racist. Proverbs 3, verse 30. Strive not with a man without a cause, if he have done thee no harm. And you know, before you start accusing people about being racist, you should be dead sure. Look, I just told you a whole story about a guy in Nebraska who like did all this stuff to me. And guess what? I said, I'm pretty sure that was racism. I feel like that was racism. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, because we should just be careful about just being on this hair trigger to just accuse everyone. I didn't get the race. They're racist. Maybe you're not a good worker. They gave me a ticket. They're racist. Maybe you were speeding. And I'm not saying that there aren't times that racism isn't true. But here's what I am telling you. As a a Christian, none of us should live with this chip on our shoulder where we're just accusing everyone. And if you're accusing just everyone and everything about being racist, look, the Bible says you need to be careful with that because that's falsely accusing people. And if you're going to accuse someone of being racist, you better dead sure make sure that they actually are racist and not that there's just some, something you're missing. Strive not with a man without a cause, the Bible says. If you have done thee no harm. And look, this is the other part that I, I think I just don't understand people and I, I, don't, I don't know what it is other than it's just spiritual maturity and I'm not trying to put people down and I'm not trying to lift myself up for sure. But I've actually known people that are racist, that actually are racist. And you know what? I still am nice to them. I still like them. And obviously, I did. And they, you know, and maybe they're not racist. Like, they're just racist. Like, I would think that's great. Like, they, like they're against interracial marriage. And I'm like, yeah, I don't agree with that. But look, even if someone is racist, you know what the Bible teaches? The Bible teaches that people can make their own decisions. So look, I'm telling you what the Bible teaches, and it, my, my kids are young, but if my sons came, you know, they called me one day, and they're like, I met the girl of my life. 
know, the first question I'm going to ask is not, what color is she? Is she black? Is she white? You know, the first question I'm going to ask is, is she saved? Does she love the Lord's son? Does she walk with God? Because that's all that matters. I don't care if she's Indian. I don't care if she's Pakistani. I don't care if she's African. I don't care what she is, as long as she loves God and loves the Lord. That's all that matters. But you know what? Let me, let me just say this, because I think people have these wrong understandings. If you're here today and you're like, I don't want my kids to marry a black person. I don't agree with you, but you know what? I don't care. Like, and I'm not going to hate you because of that. I just think you're stupid. <laughs> but I think lots of people are stupid. But you don't have to live on these extremes. And by the way, let me say this. You, sh- you should marry someone that's a Christian, and you should marry someone you like. You should marry someone you want to be married to. So we just go to Revelation chapter 7. When it comes to racism... Be careful about being on these two extremes. It's like, racism doesn't exist. And then, but the other extreme is, racism is all that exists. No, both are wrong. And be careful about just like minimizing, that, that's not real. That story pastor told is not real. Look, if you want to tell me it's not real, or whatever, I don't care. It's my story to tell. <laughs> if you're like, I literally have people, I don't think that was racism. I think that was something else. I've, I had somebody tell me, like, they must have seen your California driver's license. Maybe, maybe they did. I don't know. Maybe it was like California racism. That's a real thing, too. You know, but, but here's the thing. Like, I don't have to fight people like, no, it was racism. I don't care. And I just think that in our society, people are too opinionated. This has, this has increasingly become my favorite phrase I often say to people is, they're like, what do you think about? I'm like, I have no opinion. I don't care. <laughs> Believe whatever you want. Be an idiot if you want to be an idiot. I don't care. You're like, I'm like I don't want my kids marrying a brown person. Great. I don't want my kids marrying your kids either. <laughs> Not because of their race, but because their dad's an idiot. <sighs> be careful not to live on these extremes. Racism isn't real. And then, like, everything's racist. Everyone's racist. Like, everyone in church is racist. Every person I've ever known is racist. It's like, no, that's not true. Be careful about falsely accusing people. Strive not with a man without a cause, the Bible says. If he have done thee no harm. Revelation chapter 7. Let me finish by saying this. If you are a racist here this morning, if you're here and you're like, I'm a racist, I don't care. Fly my Confederate flag. Let me tell you something. I love you. I, look, when I when I, I went I went um, viral for preaching against the sodomites in 2016, and I had like white Nazi skinhead groups that I'm against and I preach against, and they were like promoting my preaching, and they were even saying like every once in a while a brown guy's right. <laughs> you said did that just make you so angry? I laughed. Don't live with this chip on your shoulder. Amen. You know, here's what I say to racist people. If you're saved, you're going to have a hard time in heaven, is all I'm saying. <laughs> Revelation 7, verse 9. After this, I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. Let me tell you something. Jesus, God, God is not an American. You know, the physical body of Jesus was, he's a physical descendant of the Israelites, But Jesus is not a Jew. He's God. And the Bible says that heaven is going to be a great multitude of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues. It's going to be a beautiful place. I'm thankful that heaven will be a diverse place. And you know what? Let me just say this. I'm also thankful that that our church is a diverse place. I've I've never known, I've never known, and I still don't know, of a church more diverse than Verity Baptist Church. 
I mean, literally, look around. I've never known of a more diverse, and I'm not just talking about colors, I'm talking about cultures, I'm talking about people from different, you know, just financial backgrounds and all sorts of different backgrounds. You say, what unites all these people? One person, the Lord Jesus Christ. And if I'm going to have one cause, it's Jesus. If I'm going to have a chip on my shoulder, it's a chip against you being against Jesus. If I'm going to have something that I just think about and obsess about, it's going to be the Lord Jesus Christ. Because heaven is a place of a great multitude of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues. And they all cried out saying, salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. And Lord, we thank you for the Bible. I know that these subjects can be controversial to some. I don't know why, if somebody's uncomfortable with talking about these things, then they need to search their own hearts because the Bible talks about these things. The Bible has the answers to all these things. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to, as Christians, to filter everything we believe through the Bible. And Lord, help us to live balanced lives. Help us to not judge anyone by their race or where they came from. Help us to only see the only difference that we should see in people is, are they saved or are they not saved? And the ones that are saved are our brothers and sisters in Christ, no matter what color they are. And the ones that are not saved, we love them and want to give them the gospel. We want to get them saved. Lord, I pray you'd help us to understand these things to know what the Bible teaches about these things, and to always try to line ourselves up with the Word of God. We love you. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen. We're going to have Brother Matt come up and lead us in a final song. Just want to uh, remind you a couple things. First of all, don't forget tonight, 6 p.m., the evening service. Um, And if you notice, I only dealt with...